You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. My name is Matt Warren. I'm the editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A here on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I am sadly not Bruce Nolan. Bruce has a well-deserved week off this week, and so I'm releasing a pod in his normal Thursday time slot. Don't worry, you'll get the deep dive analysis you're used to with uh, Bruce. Um, He's actually uh, weighed in on the topic of today's uh, podcast and helped me kind of fashion it a little bit. And so you'll hear um, a lot of the same stuff that you would normally hear with with Bruce, but obviously not as well done, uh, not as thorough, and probably without some really cool, um, I don't know way of explaining it he just he has a way of explaining things that is just way better than me and way better than most people which is why he's so good and why you listen to him um but uh, i'll do my best how about that today what we are going to talk about is the complete off-season plan that i put out on monday over at buffalorumblings.com we'll talk about salary cap moves that i think the buffalo bills should make Uh, releases uh, of veteran players I think that they should make. Some stuff about the 2022 free agent class, the 2022 NFL draft, and even some contract extensions later this offseason. So, before we waste any more time, let's get right into it. Just as a reference, you can find this all in written form over at buffalorumblings.com, published on Monday at noon. So the Buffalo Bills start this offseason with negative $2.2 million in salary cap space. And all the numbers you're going to hear in the salary cap realm are according to SpotTrack. Um, I could use both SpotTrack and over the cap, but I think it gets way too confusing if I use both sources. So we'll just stick with SpotTrack uh, for the at least this episode. That $2.2 million does not include a cap hit for Saran Neal, who re-signed last week. Because it doesn't do that, I tacked a million dollars onto that because we're only talking about top 51 salary right now. So when Neal signs for $2 million, which is what I assume his cap hit is going to be in 2022, he knocks off a guy from the top 51 contracts that has a million dollar salary. So it only adds a million to the Buffalo Bills top 51 cap space. I hope that makes sense. In the off season, they only use the top 51 contracts on a roster uh, for that salary cap number. Um, Eventually when it goes down to 53 man rosters at the end of August, 
you need to be under the salary cap with those 53 players. But in the offseason, it's just the top 51 contracts. So Buffalo around $3.2 million over the cap. So they need to create cap space just to exist, not even to make any moves. So the first thing I'm going to do is do a few cap restructures. These are pay cuts. Um, and I took away base salary from these players and added in incentives. So they can earn back all the money that they lost if they play up to the potential that they had when they initially signed the contract. So for Cole Beasley, I cut $2.4 million of his salary. Daryl Williams, $2.5 million of his salary. And Star Latula $2 million of their salary. There's an entire article breaking this down from a week or so ago where I go into the ins and outs of, of what this type of salary cap cut means, or yeah, sa- salary cut, I guess is the right way to say it. Um, but it creates $6.9 million in cap space, which gets us positive for the first time this offseason. Essentially, these players, I don't think would earn what I'm guaranteeing them. I don't think they would earn it on the open market. It's going to save me money and it's going to make them money because they would make less money on the open market. So it's a win-win for both sides. I don't have to cut them and they don't have to take less from somewhere else. I'm also going to do uh, two restructures of the more traditional variety. Um, So Deion Dawkins has a base salary that's pretty high in 2022. I'm going to convert that, pay it all up front as a new signing bonus, which spreads it out over the rest of his deal. I'm going to do the same thing to Tredavious White. Dawkins is going to save $4.7 million in cap space in 2022. Tredavious White is going to save $6.7 million in cap space in 2022. If you want to do it, a Matt Milano restructure here would also save you $4.3 million. But I'm going to hold off on doing a Matt Milano one. I don't want to do these if I don't have to. And... You know, for everybody saying that the Bills are going to go all in and push their chips into the middle of the table and and take a big swing and all that, this is a place where they could do it. They could push that Matt Milano salary. I don't think Brandon Bean likes doing that. Um, He's said he doesn't like doing that. And so I'm going to keep Matt Milano's in place. But if I need to, I can free up $4.3 million in salary cap space by doing the same thing with Matt Milano later this offseason if I see a free agent I want to get if I see a way I can really improve the team in 2022 so with just Dawkins and White's contract restructures plus those pay cuts for Cole Beasley Daryl Williams and Star Latulale I now sit at 15.1 million dollars it's a good start for cap space to sign free agents but it's definitely not enough so my next step is to go in and release a few players. And that's just the business side of this. You can't keep everybody. First on my list is John Feliciano. Um, I just don't think he's going to live up to that contract. He was benched by the end of last season. The Bills gave themselves an out in John Feliciano's contract, and I want them to take it. Uh, I'm going to release A.J. Klein. I know Bruce has talked about this on the Bruce Exclusive as well. A.J. Klein was a really nice player to have on the Bills roster. He could step in and play for Tremaine Edmonds or Matt Milano if they were hurt. And they were frequently out with different ailments. And so Klein was able to step in. 
I just don't see a $5 million salary cap hit as justifiable for a guy who is in that type of reserve role behind two really, really high-priced linebackers. And then finally, I'm cutting Matt Hawk, the punter. He did not play very well in 2022, part or 2021, excuse me. Uh, part of his 2022 salary guarantees in the end of March. And so I'm going to cut him before that salary guarantee comes into place. So that's going to add another 10 million, almost 10 million, to my cap space. I kept Tyler Matikavich on the team. I know a lot of people are also trying to you know, cut him right now, but I think with the turnover on the special teams with the um, departure of Heath Farwell. I think it's a good idea to have a coach on the field type in Tyler Madikiewicz. So I'm going to keep him on the roster. Hawk, Klein, and Feliciano get me almost $10 million in cap space. So now I'm sitting just under $25 million in available cap space. That's enough to go out and sign some players and really improve this team. Then I'm going to, after doing all of that, identify the areas of need that I have on the team because if those guys don't agree to those pay restructures that we had way back in step one, I'm going to have to release them and then my areas of need are going to be different. And so we take a look at this prioritized list of need now that we've gone through all of those contract restructures. Cornerback is something Bruce and I agree on quite frequently. I want the Bills to have a better cornerback on this roster. With Trey White's injury, with Trey White's contract, I think it makes a ton of sense to get a cornerback too early as an area of need with Levi Wallace, a free agent. I want to get a starting guard and who can also play backup center. Even though Ryan Bates... Um, played well last year. He's a free agent. Ike Bucker's a free agent. Um, I've already released John Feliciano in our little conversation here. The Bills don't have another starting guard unless you want to count Cody Ford right now. They have Daryl Williams on the right side and nobody at left guard. I need a starting one-tech defensive tackle with Harrison Phillips as a free agent. Star Latule, I think, is a good rotational piece, but I don't want him playing, you know, 65% of the snaps on defense for sure. We need a rotational defensive end. We only have three right now, and they're all young and unproven. A backup three-tech defensive tackle behind Ed Oliver. A backup quarterback behind Josh Allen. A backup outside wide receiver behind Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. That player played about 40% of the offensive snaps over the last two seasons, so it's an important piece. We need a new punter since I released Matt Hawk. We need a backup tight end, as Bruce talked about last week in his Needology episode. When Dawson Knox is out, I don't necessarily think the Bills offense is as good as it was with Tommy Sweeney in there. So let's get a new one. A backup offensive guard. Again, they rolled four deep at that position over the last several years. A backup slot wide receiver. Cole Beasley's your starter in the slot. Isaiah McKenzie's free agent. A backup running back, you only have two on the roster in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Some depth at the linebacker position. Then offensive line, defensive line, and safety depth top off my needs list. So that's where we sit right now. We have you know a certain amount of cap space. We have all these needs. 
When I come back from this quick break, I'll break down how I fill all those holes on the Buffalo Bills roster. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. Okay, we've created and identified all the holes on the Buffalo Bills roster. We've also created nearly $25 million in salary cap space to address those needs and desires for our team. Now, it's time to go add some players. I'm going to start by re-signing Harrison Phillips. It's going to use about $5 million in cap space. I think he proved over the second half of the season after he came back from injury that he's a piece worth building around, especially if you can get him on this kind of low-cost deal for a really good one-tech defensive tackle. Uh, Because he's been so injury-prone, I think it's a buy-low situation, or buy-medium at least, and so I'll take that. I'm going to re-sign Jerry Hughes. I think he's a really successful pass rusher. He had one of the best pass rush grades, according to Pro Football Focus, and he's only going to use about $4 million in cap space. So I'm going to re-sign Jerry Hughes to pair up with those three young defensive ends. Um as they kind of get their feet under them in the NFL. I'm going to re-sign Ryan Bates to the $2.4 million restricted free agent tender. It's a one-year contract. And then I'm going to re-sign Isaiah McKenzie to a veteran minimum deal. I do not think that Isaiah McKenzie is going to get a significant market. Um, Too many of his plays were manufactured. He's had one good game as an NFL wide receiver. Maybe two if you want to include the season finale in 2020. I just don't see a huge market for him. Um, I don't think the Giants are going to go out and break the bank for him either, and that might be the only other team willing to spend significant money on Isaiah McKenzie. So I'm signing him to a veteran minimum deal. That uses 12.7, just about half of my $25 million in cap space, but it also solves for of my needs. Then I'm going to look to the free agent market at the end of uh, March to sign a backup quarterback for around $3 million. Um, I'm looking at guys like Andy Dalton and Marcus Mayorota. I think those would both be good players that could come in and win games for the Bills, even playoff games, um, with a good team around them. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to stick around for $3 million, and I wouldn't if I were him. Um, I'm going to add a backup tight end. Uh, as Bruce talked about last week, that's going to use about $3 million. But the way that the backup tight end market is going right now, $3 million is not going to sign a lot. So um, I'm going to go get one of those you know, veteran tight end types that's just used to being a backup tight end and, and bring him in at $3 million. That way you might be able to do some two tight end sets. We don't really know what uh, Ken Dorsey wants to do as far as that goes, or even Aaron Cromer in the running game. I'm going to sign a punter, $1.5 million. 
Um, you know, that's pretty good money for a punter. It's not veteran minimum. It's more than that. Um, I'm t- tempted to draft a guy, but with Tyler Bass already being young and a brand new special teams coordinator, I'm going the route of an experienced punter and an experienced holder. And then finally, I'm going to add a veteran minimum three tech defensive tackle. Um, in that kind of Justin Zimmer role from the last couple of years, I don't know if Zimmer's going to be healthy enough to do that come you know the season opener. So I can sign him later in, say, July, right before training camp if he's healthy. Um, but I want another piece in there to back up Ed Oliver at that three tech position. So now we're down to about $5 million in that top 51 cap space. I don't really have a whole lot of other money to play with because I still have to sign the draft picks and I need to leave some space for injury replacements later. Like I said, I could always add $4 million to that number with a Matt Milano contract restructure, but I'm trying to avoid doing that. So we sit with $5 million. Now let's go back and look at that needs list that I have. I still need a starting cornerback, even though Dane Jackson proved himself okay last year. So if I'm Brandon Bean, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, at least I have Dane Jackson who can go ahead and be that starter. I need a backup outside wide receiver, but in the back of my mind, I'm saying at least I have Isaiah Hodgins who's played well in a couple of training camps over the years. I need a backup offensive guard, but in my head, I'm thinking at least I have Cody Ford who has taken significant snaps at the NFL level, who could come in and play offensive guard if he had to with my brand spanking new offensive line coach ready to help him take the next step in his career, hopefully. Backup running back is where it gets a little bit dicey because the only other running back the Bills have on their roster is Christian Wade, and I really don't want him to be playing any meaningful snaps for the Bills. So I do still need to address the running back position, but I'm pretty confident I can do that in the late rounds of the NFL draft or even in an undrafted running back. So I think I can handle that later. At depth linebacker, I'm probably okay with Tyler Medikevich, Andre Smith, and Joe Giles Harris, who all have varying degrees of NFL experience at the linebacker position. For offensive line depth, it's Tommy Doyle, which a little bit scary. And Jacob Capra, a little bit scary. I could really use some more depth there. But again, I could use late-round draft picks for those spots. At defensive line depth, I have Eli Anku at one-tech defensive tackle and Mike Love at defensive end. Not really great depth there. And then safety depth, I think, is okay. Josh Thomas is a low man on the totem pole out there, Um, a replacement-level player. So I do still have some holes, but pretty much every one of them is covered by at least something of an NFL caliber talent relative to the position. So I have a guy that can start at cornerback. I have a guy that could be a backup offensive guard, backup outside wide receiver down the line. But now I have the NFL draft. So I've satisfied what Brandon Bean goes into the draft trying to do. Plug all the holes so that you can upgrade at positions of weakness, not positions of need. And so in rounds one and two, I'm looking at cornerback and wide receiver, however my draft board falls. With Tredavious White having a really expensive contract, by the time this cornerback that's drafted gets to the end of his rookie deal, Tredavious White will be approaching free agency and in his 30s. So maybe this guy signs a huge extension 
as Tredavious White ages out. Also, this guy can come in and start right away as Tredavious White is maybe still working his way back from his ACL tear. So you have Dane Jackson, a new rookie, starting at cornerback, while Tredavious White is your first cornerback off the bench or is still working on speed or mobility or whatever you happen to be. So I think as much as I've talked myself out of a cornerback for the Bills over and over again, even though I personally want one, I think this actually might be the year they do it. And then wide receiver. I told you earlier that in each of the last two seasons, three different outside receivers have played 40% of Buffalo's offensive snaps. Last year, it was Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, and Stephon Diggs. The year before, it was Diggs, Davis, and John Brown. Whether it's because of injury, age, or whatever it is, the Bills have used three receivers on the outside. Drafting a guy to play on the outside is just smart business, especially if you're going to hand Stephon Diggs a huge contract extension. You probably won't be able to do the same thing with Gabe Davis in two years. So for the next two years, this guy's your third wide receiver. Then he takes over for Gabe Davis when Gabe Davis goes and signs a huge contract somewhere else. Or he can just be your low-cost option for the next four years. It's a good roster-building technique. I think the Bills will spend you know, a day one or day two pick on a wide receiver this year. In rounds three and four, I have them going for defensive line depth. We talked about how thin that was. Um, you know, you have one guy essentially between Ed Oliver and the practice squad at three tech defensive tackle. You have one guy. Um, well, you have four guys that can play defensive end, but you know, three of them saw game or two of them saw games that were inactive this year as healthy scratches. So, do you really want to trust them in 2022? Throwing another guy into that mix could really help. So I went with offensive guard and defensive end or three-tech defensive tackle in the third and fourth round. And then in later rounds, I'll draft whichever I didn't take earlier, the defensive end or defensive tackle, a linebacker, a running back, a tight end, a one-tech defensive tackle, all those depth things that we talked about before. But that's filled all my holes now. If you go back and look at your needs list, you know, my starting CB2. Now I have Dane Jackson, Tredavious White, and a top two-round cornerback. At backup outside wide receiver, I have Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, and a guy I picked in the first two rounds, plus Isaiah Hodgins. At backup guard, I have Cody Ford, plus the guy that I just drafted in the middle rounds. So I have addressed all of those bigger needs Uh, My team plus added depth at some of those other positions. And I have five to nine million dollars in salary cap space where I could add one more guy if I really want to. So I think that really addresses everything, except now Stefan Diggs is super underpaid on your team. Uh, His last contract that he signed with the Minnesota Vikings paid him $14.4 million per year. He's had an all-pro team and several Pro Bowls since then, led the league in receiving. He needs to be among the highest-paid wide receivers in the NFL. He's only getting paid, like, I don't know, $14 million this year or somewhere in that neighborhood. I can't remember. But if you give him a contract that's worth $22 million per season in new money, and spread that cap hit over the last six years of his deal now, his contract's going to line up with Josh Allen's, and he'll be a little bit happier. So maybe he doesn't see the end of that contract, but 
I really like tying Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen together over the next several years. They've proven to work together. They've proven to love each other. They say it all the time. They're on the cover of the best friends issue of Sports Illustrated for Kids. A four-year Stefan Diggs contract extension actually lowers his cap hit in 2022 probably, uh, but also gets him under contract for many more years to come. And then finally, we have some other contract extensions that we need to start negotiating. Mitch Morse has one year left on his deal. Dawson Knox, one year left on his deal. Jordan Poyer, Tremaine Edmonds, all have one year left on their deals. Now, I'm not saying they're going to sign all those guys, but there need to be negotiations with those guys to figure out kind of where everybody's sitting. Is Tremaine Edmonds going to be too much when you already have Matt Milano under contract for a big number? Do you want an athletic center like Mitch Morris, or do you want a mauling center? Uh, for Aaron Cromer's offensive line and what Ken Dorsey wants to do. If you want that athletic center, sign Mitch Morse. The guy's only 30. I know he feels older than that, but he's only 30 years old. Sign him to a you know two- or three-year deal. Dawson Knox, is. it's too late to sign him as a buy-low contract, but you can sign him for a buy-medium contract right now before he explodes in 2022. That feels more like a training camp contract than like a July 1st contract. Um, So I would expect that about a month later. And then finally, take a look at a guy like Ed Oliver, who's got two years left on his deal. But right after the Bills slapped Josh Allen with the fifth-year option, that's when they started negotiating with Josh Allen for his long-term extension. So they could potentially do the same thing with Ed Oliver this offseason. Ed Oliver entering his fourth year in the NFL They have to tag him with the 50-year option this offseason, which seems like a no-brainer. And then you can start negotiating a longer-term deal with him if you feel comfortable with that. And so I think this is the time for Ed Oliver before he really has, you know, a real breakout year. He played very well, I think, in 2021, and I'm comfortable giving him the money based on his play on the field. We'll see what happens based on, you know, how he is in the locker room. And that's it. That's the entire Buffalo Bills 2022 offseason. I created cap space. I created holes on the roster. Then I filled those holes on the roster by spending some of that cap space. I drafted some players to further build this Buffalo Bills team. This Buffalo Bills team that I put together is going to be better in 2022 than the team that was on the field in 2021. Rookies coming along, um, young players, I should say, coming along adding a couple more athletic pieces that say cornerback and you know, adding pieces in important spots. I think it's a great way to take this team from, you know, Super Bowl favorite to Super Bowl winner. Make sure you go over to Buffalo Rumblings and leave your thoughts on my opinion piece that posted on Monday. I'll be sure to be in the comments section all the way through the end of the week. Bruce should be back next week for his normal spot. As always, you can tune into my show, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, that drops on Tuesdays on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Reach out, follow me on Twitter, at Matt Rich Warren. Let me know what you thought of the episode. And if you don't think that Bruce earned a week off from the Bruce exclusive, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Go Bills. Thank you.